just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Wednesday. We're in the middle of the week after Christmas. I'm going to have kind of a lazy, crazy day today. My wife and I are headed over to my son's house. We're going to do a grandma-grandpa daycare thing. Her, My granddaughter's daycare isn't open today, this week. So it's our turn to hang with our granddaughter for the day. We're going to watch Daniel Tiger and Rosie and play a bunch of games, maybe build a snowman now that it's up to 35 degrees outside finally. But it's going to be a good day. So I'm looking forward to that. That said, there's a lot of stuff going on this week. It's it's kind of a slow starting week in terms of news. Still a lot of people on vacation, out doing what they do, and that's good. Uh, Congress is out for a time. I don't think they get back till January 3rd, so there won't be much happening with that. But I've been really interested to hear some of the things that are going on with the Republican Party. You know, we've been talking about how the Republicans will start to eat their own, and to a certain extent that's already happened. But it's interesting Uh, There's a couple of members of the Republican Party that are just getting tore up by the fucking Republicans. George Santos, he's the guy that lied about everything on his resume, and now people are calling him out. People of the Republican Party, they aren't feeling George Santos. They know he's a problem. If he does take his seat in the House of Representatives, He'll be nothing but a joke. There'll be investigations. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider with George Santos. We know what he lied about. But when you have somebody of that that type, you know there's more to the story. Like there's one interesting thing to consider. Here's a guy that was passing bad checks in Brazil at one point. He got arrested for that. Then in 2017, he was back here in the States, and he got evicted from his home because he didn't have any money. Still, in 2022, he somehow came up with $700,000 to put into his campaign to run for the House of Representatives. Now, where does a guy like that get $700,000? I heard one story, I don't know if it's true, but it kind of makes sense that somehow he is connected to some Russian oligarch um, who is deeply involved in Republican politics. Who knew? And apparently he provided the money. Now, see, what's going to happen with um, George Santos, these lies about school and where he worked are disgusting. I don't know that you would call them crimes, but it certainly is unethical. But chances are a guy like this who behaves the way he does and suddenly has an influx of $700,000 in his coffers coming from parts unknown, well, it's likely there's some potential financial crimes going on there. I don't know what exactly. But you can bet they're going to be looking into it. And you know the Republicans know this, too. They see him as a problem when he comes into the House of Representatives. As much as the Democrats would like to see him step down from his seat, I'm thinking some Republicans are starting to feel the same way. Now, Kevin McCarthy doesn't want to do that because he's got a slim margin. And George Santos has said he'd vote for Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. So Kevin McCarthy's going to do exactly what he's been doing, and that is fucking nothing. The other person that's getting some heat from the Republican Party turns out Marjorie Taylor Greene. And this is probably part and parcel from 
or to uh, her alliance with Kevin McCarthy. We know for whatever reason the MAGA fucks don't like Kevin McCarthy at this point, don't want to see him voted Speaker of the House. Marjorie Taylor Greene bet wrong. She thought, well, I'll side with Kevin McCarthy. Surely he's going to be Speaker of the House. And when I help him get in, then I'll control everything he does. And fortunately, Marjorie Taylor Greene made the wrong choice because Kevin McCarthy may not be the Speaker of the House. So what's happening is now those MAGA fucks are starting to tear into Marjorie Taylor Greene, her best buddies, for the last six years. And see, that is the essence of the Republican Party, particularly MAGA. They don't really have any loyalty. They don't have any legitimacy. They only care about one thing, power and elections. Oh, and one other, money. Now, the problem with Marjorie Taylor Greene for MAGA is that Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, fundraises pretty heavily. She comes up with a lot of money. That's why she's gotten as much play as she has already. So now maybe that money and that fundraising will diminish, and then MAGA will feel good about burying her. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene's time in the sun is coming to an end. I think George Santos is going to have a hell of a time if he takes his seat in the House of Representatives. But think about that. They've got a minor margin of three or four representatives. Now they themselves have pretty much neutered two of them. George Santos not going to have any power to do anything. Nobody's going to work with him. Nobody's going to do anything for him. And now it appears Marjorie Taylor Greene is in the very same spot. And this is what I've told you before. As much as the Republicans have a small margin in the House, they have control of the House of Representatives starting on January 3rd, there's going to be so much infighting, it's just going to weaken them to a point where, as I've said, they might have been better off not winning the House of Representatives. At least at that point, they can make complaints about the Democrats and the things they did. Now, they're going to be responsible for the productivity of the House. And if all they produce is crazy-ass investigations and infighting, well, that's not going to do too well for them come the election in 2024. They weren't ready to take power in anything because they can't play nice with themselves. So they probably would have been better off not getting any power at all. But, of course, you can't tell them that. They... They think they've got this thing dicked, so let them do it. Let them make themselves look foolish. Just weaken them a little bit more. Now, you remember there was an announcement from the House Ways and Means Committee that they would be releasing Donald Trump's taxes, six years of taxes. I think a lot of people thought that they'd be released immediately. And there were some bits and pieces released on Donald Trump's taxes. But it turns out the House Ways and Means Committee announced Tuesday that it will release redacted versions of Donald Trump's tax returns this Friday, a couple of days away. Now, when I say redacted, don't don't worry about that. They're not redacting the meat of these taxes. They're just redacting the personal information like addresses and social security numbers. So that that won't affect anything. We know it has to do everything with Donald Trump and we will see where the money came from, what he did with the money, what he claimed the value of his properties are. You see, this kind of ties in with the other case though, with the uh, case where they convicted the Trump Organization, for inflating and deflating his property's value to benefit himself. Now, the Manhattan DA, Elvin Bragg, is now thinking about the, pro- the, the point of going after Donald Trump and possibly prosecuting him. He kind of backed off of it for a while, but I think he's getting a little cocky now that... Uh, 
The Trump Organization was found guilty on all 17 counts. He's feeling pretty good about himself. We know he's getting some information from Letitia James and her civil case against Donald Trump. And now we've got uh, um, these taxes coming out. Now, I, honestly, I thought they already had the taxes, and maybe they do. But as I've told you before, when these taxes become public and people know what's going on, they know the evidence, well, then that puts pressure on Merrick Garland, Jack Smith, and these state folks like uh, District Attorney Elvin Bragg. Now that we know all the details, they're going to be hard-pressed not to indict. Now, the documents to be released on Friday are expected to include Trump's tax returns filed between 2015 and 2021, which spanned the years he ran for president and his one term. The Ways and Means Committee issued a report ahead of the full documents release that detailed six years' worth of Trump's tax returns, which Trump fought aggressively to prevent, including his claims of massive annual losses that significantly reduced his tax burden. Well, here's the thing. You can say you had these massive tax losses, but if you continually had these massive tax losses or massive value losses, how in the fuck are you a, a billionaire? I just don't see it. And your taxes, what little we've seen to this point, do not show it. Now, the Democrat-controlled committee obtained the returns last month as part of an investigation into Trump's taxes and after a lengthy court battle and a lot of appeals, that ended up with the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in the committee's favor. Donald Trump thought, well, I got some guys on the Supreme Court. Surely they'll side with me, but no. No, they didn't. The highly anticipated publication of those documents comes a week after the January 6th committee finally published its report regarding Trump and his effort to overturn the 2020 election. Now, the interesting thing about this is when they finally got the taxes, they knew they were had a short window to do something with them. Because as soon as the Republicans take over the House of Representatives on January 3rd, the Republicans would take control of the Ways and Means Commission, and those documents, those taxes, would probably be swept under the rug and buried away, and nobody would ever see them. That's what the Republicans would do. So instead of going through investigations and all that sort of thing, the Ways and Means Committee, now controlled by the Democrats, said, hey, look, let's just release them to the public. And that's what they're going to do. I will give them credit, though. They're releasing them on Friday, which is December 30th. Saturday is 31st. Sunday is the first day of the new year. And then Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, Tuesday is the third. So they're releasing these things, and they're cutting it down to the time limit here. They're going to send those Republicans off with the documents being released. And this isn't going to go well for Donald Trump, and it's not going to look well on those people who have supported him. Of all the things Donald Trump is concerned about, it is, isn't the crimes or the fraud that he no doubt committed. It's now that people are going to be able to actually see how much money he made, how much money he lost. And what little we've seen right now, he's lost a lot of money, hundreds of millions of dollars. He's made some money back, but he's always cut that uh, income with losses. It sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? I mean, it's the same thing he did with his properties. He would have a $50 million property. If he was going for loans or insurance, he would say, oh, it's only $20 million. That's what it's worth. And if he, no, he would go the other way. I'm sorry. He would 
go to the insurance companies and the banks and say this $50 million um, property was worth $200 million. So he could benefit from that side. Now, on the other side of the coin, when he went to the IRS, he would say, oh, it's only $20 million. So he'd pay less taxes. And that's kind of looks like what he did with his taxes. We don't really know what he made. He took immense write-offs. But the interesting thing is he didn't seem to have any supporting evidence to go with his taxes. And that is usually something they ask about. Now, because he was president, he was supposed to be audited every year. And as we know, that didn't happen. The question is why it didn't happen. The answer can only be one thing. He put his buddy in charge of the IRS and basically told him, you're not going to audit me. But the rule says he was supposed to be audited. So Donald Trump applied some influence, some pressure, and forced the IRS not to audit him in the time frame that he was president of the United States. Now, of course, he lied and said he couldn't release his taxes because he was under audit, but now we find out that wasn't true. We find out that not only wasn't it true, it was kind of against the rules for him not to be audited. Now, the release of the documents will reveal years of Trump's evasion of tax payments. He paid nothing at all in 2017 and 2020. How is it a billionaire has so many losses that he has to pay no taxes? The committee's intensive investigation also showed that the IRS had not audited Trump in a timely manner, which they were required to do, but they didn't. Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal and fellow Democrats said the records they obtained showed that the IRS presidential audit program failed to work as intended. Neal said the complete required audit of Trump's taxes did not occur, as his returns were only subjected to the mandatory audit once in 2019. And that is after the Democrats made a call and say, what's up here? Oh, hell yeah, you're right. Maybe we should do those audits. Uh, I, you know, the thing is, nobody can tell me that Donald Trump didn't apply um, some pressure, didn't use a strong arm tactic on the um, IRS. I mean, he's done it in so many other cases. He's always made threats, not only against people in his administration, but the American people. Civil War and Fight Like Hell and all of that stuff. It's really kind of disturbing. And when these taxes come up, I don't think something will come out, an indictment will come out of the taxes directly, but it will support what is being done in the Manhattan District if he's looking into Donald Trump being complicit with some of these crimes. It'll also tell us a lot about how much Donald Trump is truly worth. Now, in realistic terms, most of us don't really care that much, but Donald Trump has always touted himself as being a billionaire. He's been so OCD about people thinking he's a billionaire. When Forbes came out with a list of the billionaires, he was not on it. So he got his people. He even made a phony call himself to Forbes, insisting that they put him on the billionaire's list. Well, who really fucking cares about that? Well, only one person, and that would be Donald Trump. All right, we had the situation down in Arizona back in 2020, the cyber ninjas, all that bullshit, nothing came out of it. And, of course, in 2022, we had uh, <clears throat> Carrie Lake, that crazy fucking trump fuck running against uh, Katie Hobbs, the Democrat in Arizona. Well, Katie Hobbs won by 17,000 votes. Of course, Carrie Lake screamed about election fraud, took it to court, and fucking lost. But she just didn't just lose here. 
An Arizona judge rejected Democratic Governor-elect Katie Hobbs' request to sanction Carrie Lake over her failed effort to overturn the state's election. And frankly, she should have got sanctioned, but she didn't. Lake had filed a lawsuit alleging voter fraud and challenging the counting and certification of the November 2022 midterm elections despite the lack of evidence. She claims she had all kinds of evidence, but like Mike Lindell, nobody ever got to see it. Wow, strange. The suit was rejected by the Superior Court in Maricopa County on Saturday, and in his dismissal, the judge had provided for the filing of sanction motions against Lake and her lawyers. Now, while they didn't offer up the sanctions, Judge Peter Thompson did order Lake to pay Hobbs $33,040.50 on Tuesday, plus 7.5% interest until paid in full for expert witnesses' testimony, but did not sanction Lake herself or her attorneys. As I look at that, that's like six of one and half dozen of the other. If she would have been sanctioned, it probably would have been more money. But think about that. You lose the election. You lose the court case. Now they tell her she's got to pay for the court case. And while it maybe have been more if she were sanctioned, 33000 bucks that's quite a chunk. That's quite an ins- that adds insult to injury, and nobody deserves it more than Carrie Lake and her dumb fuck attorneys. Now, Lake's lawsuit had specifically targeted Hobbs, who is currently Arizona's Secretary of State and becomes governor next week, along with top officials in Maricopa County. Lake's suit claimed that hundreds of thousands of illegal ballots infected the election, which, of course, was not true. Um, And this was focused on Maricopa County, the state's most populous county, but Lake and her lawyers couldn't provide any evidence to back up their claims. Why do you start a court case if you have no evidence? I don't know. Maybe you should ask Mike Lindell and Donald Trump. They They did the very same thing. Now, sanctions can range from a financial penalty penalty imposed by a judge for violations of a court rule or misconduct uh, to prison time. Governor-elect Hobbs had asked the court to award her over $600,000 to compensate for fees and expenses accrued in defending against Lake's lawsuit. Now, that would have been nice if she would have been sanctioned with that amount of money. Now, Lake still refused to concede her loss despite the election being certified and has been using her courtroom losses as a way to raise money. But here's the thing. If she wants to emulate Donald Trump, if she wants to be Donald Trump's vice presidential candidate, which is pretty much all she's got left, wouldn't she learn something by seeing what's happening to Donald Trump? Nothing is working. He's hemorrhaging money. But somehow this dumbass decides to emulate Donald Trump, do exactly what Donald Trump says, ingratiate herself to Donald Trump, and trying to be his buddy. Now, anybody with half a brain is already uh, uh, getting away from Donald Trump. They're stepping away from Donald Trump and the whole MAGA thing, but not Carrie Lake. Pundits say any money Lake raises will be just transferred to a potential campaign fund for a 2024 run as Trump's VP. Now, she thinks she's got this in the bag. But, of course, she also thought the race for governor, she had it in the bag, and it turns out she didn't. Now, she's placing all her hopes in being Donald Trump's VP. Unfortunately, there's no indication that Donald Trump will actually be able to run for president in 2024, but let's say he does. Even if he does, he has zero chance at winning. So once again, 
Carrie Lake is making a poor investment. She can't see it for some reason, but she's doing it just the same. It sounds so familiar, doesn't it? It Sounds like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is still yelling about election fraud and how he was ripped off and how the Democrats were spying on him in 2016, which doesn't make any sense because we know in 2016 he won. The 2020 election, there's been no evidence that shows it was uh, election fraud. Everybody around Donald Trump has acknowledged that it wasn't election fraud. Bill Barr even said, yeah, now nah, there's no election fraud. Donald Trump has heard this over and over. He's been advised by his senior advisors, but he refuses to listen. He's the only one that could be right, and he's saying, of course, there's going to be um, evidence found. A lot of this has to do with people around him telling him what to say. As I've told you before, somebody like Donald Trump is easily manipulated. I know that. Republicans know that. Russians know that. Saudi Arabians know that. And North Korea knows that. All you have to do is pat him on the head, tell him what a wonderful guy he is, and just praise the hell out of him. After that, he'll do pretty much anything you ask of him. And these people all know it. Donald Trump, for all intents and purposes, was simply a puppet controlled by evil people. I don't know that Donald Trump has the capacity to be evil, but I know that he will do anything to maintain money and power. So he's kind of evil by proxy, but he is in fact an evil motherfucker. He will listen to these people and tell them that... uh, They tell him that he's a great guy, and of course, he'll do their bidding, no matter how crazy it sounds. The trouble is, Donald Trump doesn't know the system. He doesn't understand the system. He doesn't know how to play the game of politics and uh, American government. So he gets duped all the time. He's made to look stupid. All his little followers are kind of in the same boat. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she can be easily fooled, and when she is, she always fails. As I've told you, after the midterm election, I sense a whole different vibe in this country. And I know the next year, possibly the next two years, are not going to be good times for the Republicans. They are going to be problematic. They are going to be hard-pressed to win another election. Gen Zs and millennials are out there voting up a storm. They helped in 2020. They'll get stronger in 2024. And then in 2028, when the next presidential election comes up after 2024, they will have the majority of the votes in this country, millennials and Gen Zs. So you know what that means. That means Republicans are shit out of luck. Out of the Gen Zs and the Millennials that voted in 2020, 70% of them voted with the Democrats. So with those kind of numbers, the Republicans have little, if any, hope to gain any positions in 2024. They're not going to improve their lot because their lot is shit right now. They failed miserably in the midterms, and they will fail miserably in 2024. And some of the smarter ones know that. Some of the smarter Republicans understand that. That's why they're trying to step away from these folks, and that's why the MAGA fucks are pretty much torturing her and trying to destroy her. Marjorie Taylor's basically got one friend in the House of Representatives, and that happens to be Kevin McCarthy. And Kevin McCarthy has his own motherfucking problems. He can't bring the House of Representatives together to get voted in as Speaker of the House. And as we know, there's really nobody 
in the House of Representatives, they can garner 218 votes. That's what it takes to get voted in to the job of Speaker of the House. Now, Kevin McCarthy might ultimately get in and be the Speaker of the House because I think he's the one guy that can get the most votes, albeit not enough votes to get elected. So he's going to horse trade every power he has away to the MAGAFUCKS. They're going to probably take out one stipulation. There, There is a situation now when we're talking about members of the House or Speaker of the House specifically. They can't just uh, rear their ugly heads and say, you know, let's have a... Uh, a confidence vote for uh, for these guys, for Kevin McCarthy. See, that's not what they have now. The rule states that once you're Speaker of the House, you pretty much ride it out until the end of the term or until the Republicans are voted out. Now, that could happen pretty quickly. It could happen in two years. But if MAGA says, okay, we'll vote for you, but you've got to strip those protections. What that essentially means is they're going to hold his job over his head on every situation. They're going to blackmail him and get him to make decisions that benefit MAGA. Now, they won't win because there's not enough MAGA folks in the Republican Party to get enough votes to agree on anything. They're very split, they're very divisive, and they are very weak at this point. They can't even get along. They're going after George Santos and Marjorie Taylor Greene, but they'll actually go after anybody that disagrees with them, anybody that's not uh, pro-insurrection. We even heard a story that uh, we'll talk about later, but it was Donald Trump's team put together a press release that basically said anybody who disagrees with me on voter fraud, you will be fired. Yeah, that's a little shaky. That's a little troublesome. But he did put that out. Well, no, actually, he didn't put it out. He had it um, He had it uh, written. He had it signed. But for whatever reason, he never distributed these documents into the media and the general public and other politicians. So you have to wonder why. It's hard to say for sure, but um, he's not going to be safe when it's all said and done. And neither is Donald Trump or any of the other fucks that are mentioned in the January 6th documents. Let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You probably remember the story of the group of dumb fuck, country fuck, trumplafucks who decided it was a good idea to try and kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Now, that was actually plan B. Initially, what they intended to do was break into the state house, start killing Democrats by hanging them outside the windows of this Capitol. For whatever reason, they thought better of the idea of killing Democrats in mass. And instead, they settled on, you know what's a better idea? Let's just, let's just kidnap the governor. Now, I don't know what they were going to do once they kidnapped her. Maybe they would try to uh, blackmail the state of Michigan. Maybe they'd just kill her. I don't know what it was. 
And people are always talking about, when are people going to be accountable? Well, it's starting to happen, at least in this case. The co-leader of a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer was sentenced Wednesday, actually Tuesday, to 16 years in prison for conspiring to abduct the Democrat and blow up a bridge to ease an escape. I forgot to mention that part. They were just going to blow up a bridge. You know, I think that's a misdemeanor. Adam Fox returned to federal court Tuesday, four months after he and Barry Croft Jr. were convicted of conspiracy charges at the second trial in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They were accused of being at the helm of a wild plot to whip up anti-government extremists just before the 2020 presidential election. Their arrest, as well as the capture of 12 others, was a stunning coda to a tumultuous year of racial strife and political turmoil. Yeah, that's all we needed in that time frame with some dumb fucks trying to kidnap a sitting governor. The government had pushed for a life sentence. That's what they really wanted him to get. And frankly, given the circumstances, that's what he probably should have got. They were saying Croft... Croft offered bomb-making skills and ideology while Fox was the driving force urging their recruits to take up arms, kidnap the governor, and kill anyone who stood in their way. However, Judge Robert Jonkers said that while Fox's sentence was needed as a punishment and a deterrent to future similar acts, the government's request for life in prison is not necessary to achieve these purposes. It's too much. Something less than life gets the job done in this case, Jonker said, later adding that 16 years in prison is still, in my mind, a very long time. In addition to the 16-year prison sentence, Fox will have to serve five years of supervised release. So you'll serve 16 years or some fraction of that for good behavior or whatever. But once he gets out, he'll serve five more years of supervised release. Now, to most of us, given the uh, crime, 16 years doesn't sound like a lot. But think about this. If it was you and you were getting sentenced to 16 years, I bet you'd think that was a long time. I mean, for me, I'm 62. That would put me at 78 years. That would take me out of the system in my prime. (laughs) Kidding about that. But I would not want to take my golden years and put them in a prison and then come out barely ambulatory. Now, these people are much younger than I am, but still, they're losing prime time in their lives. As much as we'd like to see life, I'll deal with 16 years. At least they're being held accountable. And who knows what happens to insurrectionists in prison. I'm not saying, I'm just saying we'll see what happens. Now, Fox and Croft were convicted at a second trial in August, months after the a different jury in Grand Rapids, Michigan, couldn't reach a verdict but acquitted two other men. Croft, a trucker from Bear, Delaware, will be sentenced on Wednesday, today. Fox and Croft in 2020 met with the like-minded provocateurs at a summit in Ohio. They trained with weapons, you know, just like cosplay army men. It was in Michigan and Wisconsin and took a ride to put eyes on Whitmer's vacation home with the night vision goggles, according to the evidence. It's what I get a kick out of these guys. They think they're truly army men, but most of them couldn't get into the military or police forces if they wanted to. Now, there are some people that were in the military, got out, couldn't find anything else to fucking do, so they thought they'd start their own militia. People need to stop with the misplaced anger and place the anger where it should go, and that's against our tyrannical government, 
Fox declared that spring boiling over for COVID-19 restrictions and perceived threats to gun ownership. Whitmer wasn't physically harmed. The FBI, which was secretly embedded in the group, broke things up by fall. So they never actually got a chance to do anything, and thank God for the FBI in that situation. They actually had no real plan for what to do with the governor if they actually seized her. It's like everything the Republicans do. They're like the dog chasing the bus. What happens if he actually catches the bus? Bus. Who, who fucking knows? Because they never thought about it. Paradoxically, this made them more dangerous, not less, Assistant U.S. Attorney Niels Kessler said in a court filing ahead of the hearing. Now, in 2020, Fox 39 was living in the basement of a Grand Rapids area vacuum shop. Oh, who's surprised with that? The site of clandestine meetings with members of a paramilitary group and undercover FBI agent. The lawyer said he was depressed, anxious, and smoking marijuana daily. (laughs) Oh, that poor man. We should cut him a break. Now, Christopher Gibbons said a life sentence would be extreme. Fox was regularly exposed to inflammatory rhetoric by FBI informants, especially Army veteran Dan Chappell, who manipulated not only Fox's sense of patriotism, but uh, his own need for friendship, acceptance, and male approval, Gibbons said in a court filing. So this guy... This guy's excuse was, well, I needed a friend, and of course he was a bad friend, but he was my friend, so I had to go along with it. He said prosecutors had exaggerated Fox's capability, saying he was poor and lacked the capability to obtain a bomb and carry out the plan. Well, the question here is, is not so much, since we're talking about conspiracy, isn't so much that he actually did it because he didn't actually do it. The, the deal here is that he planned to do it. He conspired to do it. And that in itself is a crime. So that's no defense. Two men who pleaded guilty to conspiracy and, and testified against Fox and Croft receive substantial breaks. Ty Garbin already is free after a two-and-a-half-year prison term, while Caleb Franks was given a four-year sentence. Now, in state court, three men recently were given lengthy sentences for assisting Fox earlier in the summer of 2020. Five more are awaiting trial in Antrim County, where Whitmer's uh, vacation home is located. Now, when they finally stopped this plot, Whitner, a Democrat, blamed then-President Donald Trump, which is reasonable, saying he had given comfort to those who spread fear and hatred and division. In August, 19 months after leaving office, Trump said the kidnapping plan was a fake deal. Of course, it's a hoax. It never, ever happened. Trump just won't let it go. He can't own up to anything. He will double down on everything you confront him with. You could walk up to him and say, God, Donnie, you got a fucked up comb over hairstyle. And he'd say, no, I have the most beautiful hair in the history of hair. This is all natural. This is how it grows. Right, Donnie. And that orange tan is natural, too. On CNN Tuesday, reporter Jessica Snyder reported that former White House staffer and Blockbuster House January 6th committee witness Cassidy Hutchinson alleged she saw former White House chief of staff Mark Meadows routinely burning documents in a fireplace. Now, we thought Donald Trump was the only person doing that, but apparently Mark Meadows was doing it as well. Because I got to tell you, we watched Cassidy Hutchinson be deposed, and uh, she's got some credibility. You got to believe her. This woman has been pretty brave, risking her life literally by giving up information on Donald Trump. This comes from a new series of transcripts 
released by the House investigators as the committee wrapped up its work. They go on to say, we have all the transcripts from Cassidy Hutchinson, Snyder said. We're learning more details, particularly how she told the committee how she saw Chief of Staff Mark Meadows burning documents in his office fireplace around a dozen times, which she says amounted to once or twice a week between December 20th and January 2021. She says at least twice she saw Meadows burning documents after he had meetings. Now, that in itself is legal because we know any documents created in the White House are to be saved and turned over to the National Archives. Well, now, of course, if Mark Meadows burned them, we can't do that. So Mark Meadows would have to be on the hook for that crime. Now, apparently, Mark Meadows did this with Scott Perry, another fucking piece of shit, who, in fact, was subpoenaed by the committee but never complied. I got to believe that Scott Perry is on the list of possible indictments from the DOJ. He was in the thick of it with um, Jeffrey Clark in the Department of Justice. Furthermore, Schneider said her testimony also reveals how discussions about QAnon conspiracies really permeated the White House. The people in the White House talked about Q and they pushed that narrative. This all comes from a new series of transcripts that the House investigators put out. So this is all very interesting. And as I've told you before, with these documents coming out, just about every day we'll get more information, new information. The J6 committee did a job, good job, enlightening us as to the evidence. But now that these documents are released and the report is released, we are going to have people in the media, all kinds of people, looking into this stuff, finding things out, and releasing it to us. And the more information we have, the more pressure is applied to Merrick Garland and Jack Smith at the Department of Justice. Now, there's a woman named Carolyn Wren who had worked on the Trump campaign. She told the House Select Committee investigating the attack on January 6th and the attempt to overthrow the 2020 election that she never really tried to raise money for the rally. It just happened. (laughs) Okay. You weren't really trying to raise money, but you did get about $3 million dollars. How the fuck does that work? You know what? I'm going to try to not raise a million dollars, and we'll see if it magically appears in my account. I'm guessing it won't, because if it would, I would have done it long ago. But this woman's defense is, well, I didn't. I wasn't really trying. I'm just so good that the money just showed up. Now, this testimony is is literally a treasure trove of information about the inner workings of the Trump finance operation. And now the political staff really viewed some of these working for Trump after he lost in 2020. On October 18th, the report from ProPublica revealed Wren boasted to Republican operative Dustin Stockton that she raised $3 million to support the January 6th rally. She also said how she had parked unspecified amounts of money for J6 at the arm of the Republican Attorney General's Association at the Tea Party Express and at Turning Point, a collection of affiliated nonprofits that serve young Republicans. I think Turning Point is... uh, operated by Nick Fuentes, when we know how great a motherfucker he is. She said, for me, I don't recall ever soliciting funds during that time. Oh, really? But she testified this to the J6 committee. Like, I wasn't raising money from donors to go into any sort of like account or 
for the RNC like the Trump campaign, I'm not really sure how that would have worked if the campaign could still solicit funds after the election. I know there were, you could still technically, like, I guess, give to the RNC, but it may still have been Trump's victory, too, as a term, but I wasn't involved in doing that. Now, take that paragraph right now, and she doesn't sound not only like she knows what she's talking about, but she also seems pretty nervous about it, and that's why it was so convoluted and not understandable. Now, Wren said, with the exception of in March 2020 to November of 2020, I went in-house with the Trump campaign, so I didn't have outside clients outside the Trump campaign for the duration of that time. The committee then asked her, and would that have been Trump Victory Finance Committee? (laughs) And she answers, that's a good question. Really, that's a good question. It's something you don't know. She says, I don't actually know, Wren said, about who paid and employed her. Oh, you don't know who you worked for. Trump Victory was the joint fundraising committee between Donald J. Trump for president and the Republican National Committee. I believe that my salary was just Donald J. Trump for president, but I'm not sure. That's how they all act. They always plead the fifth or say, you know, I don't recall, or, you know, I'm not sure. Apparently, they think that's more effective than actually owning up to their crimes. Now, the committee went on to ask, okay, so to your knowledge, were you employed by Trump Victory Finance Committee? Wren said, Trump Victory Finance Committee was not, was the name of the finance committee. So like the person who employed me, I believe, was Donald J. Trump for president. And that's what she said before. She's just reiterating what she's already told him. She went on to say that she was never finance director, as would be in a traditional campaign. Instead, she was called senior advisor to Kimberly Guilfoyle. Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend and national financial advisor. When asked who she reported to, it was Guilfoyle, who was the finance chair. Now, there is another person that's going to get caught up in the evidence and is likely to get an indictment. Kimberly Guilfoyle. She's a freaky-looking bitch. And people will say, oh, you're, 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 you're shaming her based on what she's looked like. Yeah, you're fucking right, I am. I'm also shaming her for her judgment. She sided with Donald Trump. She's sleeping with Donald Trump Jr. This does not sound like a fucking smart woman. Now, Ren explained that there were several, well, actually three different buckets of fundraising cash. There was a legal fund, there was a state party fund, and so that's where that number increased by the time they added different state parties into it. And then the other fund was, well, there was one other, and its total ended up being $817,000 as the maximum donor could give. So if people were giving in large amounts, really over 250000 or 500000 like that legal fund was always a talking point that came from within. Now, the waterfall would move as to where the legal fund would be at times. And I never really, it was a little bit confusing as to where it would be. But it was certainly a big talking point that I would give to donors for 2017. She, she has no clue what she's fucking doing. Here's what I think you can really know about this. Regardless of what bucket this money went into or what it was technically assigned to, what you can absolutely understand is that all that money, regardless of what it was assigned to, went in Donald Trump's pocket. And if you're running the finances for Donald Trump and you don't know what you're doing or where it's going, 
that's a problem for you. There may be some crimes there that she maybe has to look out for, and that's maybe why she was so vague in answering questions. I don't know nothing. I was just counting money. It was that easy. I don't even I wasn't even fundraising. The money just came magically. Yeah. That's how the fucking way it works. Former Secretary of Labor Eugene Scalia testified that former Attorney General Bill Barr advised him to resign from the Trump administration after the 2021 Capitol insurrection. The exchange is documented in a transcript that was released by the J6 committee. More revelations coming out of the documents from the J6 committee. Now, testifying under oath, Scalia said the administration bore responsibility for what happened on January 6th. Another Trumpy throwing Donald Trump under the bus. On that day, a mob of Donald Trump supporters stormed the Capitol to try to stop the certification of Joe Biden as president. Trump spent two months lying to the public by falsely claiming the election was stolen, Scalia said. So he's completely flipped on Donald Trump. Shortly after the insurrection, he called Barr, who had resigned from his post in December 2020. He says, I'd considered Bill Barr as a friend, he stated, and I just called Bill to say, Bill, what's your advice? What should I do? I was interested in what he had to say. A lawyer for the committee asked Scalia if he had considered resigning. You know, at the time, I did not give resignation a serious consideration, he answered, but I recognized it as the kind of thing that people might consider in that circumstance. And Bill did tell me, you should resign. That was Bill's advice. But he made the mistake that all these Trump fucks do. They hung on too long. They hung on too long and they stayed too long. And now they're not going to be able to step away from Donald Trump. That stink will linger on them for eternity. Barr's advice was, it's time for you to resign immediately. Yes, Scalia responded. Bill didn't say, Gene, you have a responsibility to resign. He said, you know, if I were you, I'd resign. Get out of there. The lawyer asked Scalia why he declined to take Barr's advice. Well, I continued to think about what the right thing to do was, he replied. I thought that they're trying to work within the administration to steady the ship, a ship that was already sinking. It was likely to have greater value than simply resigning, after which point I would have been powerless to really affect things within the administration. Well, the administration was on fire, motherfucker. To avoid being complicit or implicated in these crimes that you should have been easily, easily been able to recognize, you should get away with it. But you chose not to, so that would only suggest to me that, well, you were all in favor of these crimes. Clearly you knew what was going on, you could see it. Uh, clearly you, you should probably be able to consider how it's going to end up and uh, what might happen. But still, the greed and the power got to you. You wanted to stick with it, and you did. And now you know what it is to fuck up or fuck around and find out. Last story for the day. The Supreme Court voted Tuesday on the controversial Trump-era border restriction known as Title 42, deciding by a vote of 5-4 to four that it will remain in, in effect while legal challenges play out. It's a move that's sure to please the right-wing Republicans who have made illegal immigration a centerpiece of their party platform, like they have a fucking platform. Now, since March of 2020, Title 42 has allowed U.S. border agents to immediately turn away migrants who cross the southern border in the name of COVID-19 prevention. 
It's ironic that would come from the Republicans who said COVID-19 was a fucking hoax. The high court's decision ensures the federal officials will be able to continue to expel migrants along the U.S. border for the next several months at least. In its order, the Supreme Court also agreed to take up the border state's appeal this term. The court said it would hear arguments on the case during its argument session that begins in February. Conservative Justice Neil Gorsuch, a Donald Trump appointee, dissented along with his liberal counterparts and uh, explained this thinking in order to joined by Liberal Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, courts should not be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected officials have failed to address a different emergency, Gorsuch wrote. But they didn't take that advice. They'll keep that Title 42 in place, Donald Trump's Brilliant idea that didn't work, of course. In its order, the Supreme Court also agreed to take up the border state's appeal term. Um, You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. The Republicans want to focus on the border and the problems there. But let's be honest. The problem at the border has been there for all of time. It's always been a problem. And no one has really come up with an absolute answer as to how to handle that. It's really no worse now than it was when Donald Trump was in office or any worse than it was when when, uh, Barack Obama was in office. This is an ongoing problem. And for the Republicans to put it all on the head of the Democrats is ridiculous because they have many faults and many poor choices when it comes to immigration and the border. Meanwhile, migrants have been waiting in encampments across the border in Mexico for months, waiting for the end of Title 42 so they can make their claims for legal asylum in the United States, which is important to recognize. It's legal for them to claim asylum. Then they have to go to court to prove it, And if they prove it, they get to stay. And if they don't, they get the fuck out. The Department of Homeland Security has been implementing a plan for the end of the Trump era restrictions that include surging resources to the border, targeting smugglers, and working with international partners. So, the fact of the matter is, is that... uh, that Trump-era rule, Title 42, will stay in place until it can go through the court system. And we know that um, the argument period starts in February, and that could go for months and months and months. So nothing is going to change down there. That should make the Republicans very happy. should also give them fewer reasons to bitch and complain about the Democrats' failure on the border. But, of course, it won't. They've got Trump's law down there, but they'll still blame it on the Democrats. That's just how the Republicans roll. That's what they do. And it gets tiresome after a while. Listening to lie after lie from Kerry Lake to Donald Trump to Kevin McCarthy and everybody in between. George Santo. They think they can blatantly lie, keep saying it, talk louder and longer than everybody, and they hope that somebody will believe it. Now, for the years of time that Donald Trump was in office, it kind of worked. But we know now that it's not working, and it's less effective every day. There's going to come a point where nobody believes anything a Republican spews out, and that will be the demise of the Republicans. There's a lot of things that are coming that are pretty much going to destroy the Republican Party. That's not to say they won't rebuild. Maybe a Liz Cheney comes back in and tries to rehabilitate, reimagine, rebrand 
the Republican Party. But if they do that, it's going to take some time. It's going to take 10 years to do it, which means in 2024, the Republicans have little chance of winning the presidential election. And that's good news for this country, for Democrats and the people in this country. That is going to be the only way we get things done if the Democrats are given the opportunity to do it. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. Of course, we will be back tomorrow, and I hope you have a great day today. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.